and with, uh, with uh, all of our fellow believers, Lord, and come and fellowship in you and fellowship with each other, God, and just to, uh, just to revel in your word and what you've given us, Father. We ask that you would speak to us today as we, as we read your word, God, and we, uh, we try, to, uh, try to expound on it, Father. We just pray that your spirit would come and that, uh, that you would just prepare our hearts today and that you'd prepare us, God, for uh, whatever it is that you have for us today, God. We, we ask that you'd get us ready to come and and, uh, and worship and praise you in the 1030 service and get us ready for Sunday school, Lord, as we come to learn more about your word and uh, each other. Lord, we ask that you just be with us all day today, uh, this afternoon, getting us ready for tonight to come and take communion, take the Lord's Supper. Lord, we, we just pray that you, would, um, that you would bless our day today that we give to you. And we thank you for that. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And uh, around, around World War II, around then, there was a, a pastor. His name was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He's a pretty famous guy. But he uttered this phrase that's going to be very uh, uh, instructive for us today as we look at Luke chapter 5. He said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. And so what I want to show you today, what we're going to see in Luke chapter 5 as we walk through the next section of Luke chapter 5 is we're going to see the call of this man named Levi. Jesus is going to call Levi. And what you need to understand today and what we all need to understand is that this call of Levi today to come and to follow Christ and to be his disciple is the same call that you and I receive. It's the same call that Jesus gives to you to come and to follow him. You'll remember over and over again in scripture, he says that uh, if you want to follow me, if you want to come and be my disciple, you, uh, you have to deny yourself and you have to Take up your cross and you have to follow me. And so that's kind of what we're going to see today. It's easy to forget, really, that being a disciple of Christ, it's easy for us to forget that being a disciple is not just, not just about accepting a worldview or, or inheriting a belief system. It's, it's about following Christ. Of course, we do inherit a belief system. We know that the Scripture is true and it teaches us a worldview, uh, how to view all kind of things and the beliefs that go along with who God is and what God has given in His revelation. But it's not just that. Being a Christian is following Jesus. It's becoming a disciple of Christ and following after Him. Uh, it's, it's denying yourself truly and taking up your cross and, and following Him. And so today we're going to examine this call that Jesus gives to Levi and we're going to see a few things about it. Last time, or the time before, in this chapter, in Luke chapter 5, we saw the call of, of Peter and James and John as they were fishing. If you remember that, that's where Jesus uh, provided them with this miraculous catch and told Peter, I'm going to make you a fisher of men from now on. And so let me just read this section. It's only four or five verses, so it's not going to take us long. It's in Luke chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 27. It says, And after these things he went forth, and saw a publican named Levi. Publican means tax collector. He was sitting at the receipt of custom. He was sitting in his booth there. And he said unto him, follow me. And he left all. Levi left all, rose up and followed him. And Levi made a great feast in his own house. And there was a great company of publicans uh, and of others that sat down with him. But their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? And Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So 
This is the call of Levi. You may know Levi and we know him as Matthew. This is going to be, this tax collector is going to be one of the disciples of Christ. He's going to be the, the one who penned through the Holy Spirit the first gospel that we have in the New Testament, Matthew. And so this call, there's a few things about this call to Levi that I, I want you to see. And they're the same things that, that Christ calls you and I too today. And the first one is real obvious. I mean, so don't laugh at me when I tell you, but it, it's a call to sinners. Now, I know you're saying, well, duh, of course it is. I mean, uh, of course it's a call to sinners. Who else, who else would he really call? But you would be surprised at the amount of people that really think that they have to fix themselves before they come to follow Christ. They have to, I have to get something right in my own heart before I can come and follow Christ. That before I can be a disciple, like you're talking about, before I can reach that next spiritual level, of, as if that is such a thing, uh, before I can come to Jesus, i got to fix all this stuff that's wrong in my life. Well, the reality is you and I can't fix the, the things that are in our life. That would be akin to us saying, if you could think of it this way, us saying, you know, I'm really, really sick. I can't wait till I get well so I can go to the doctor. I mean, it doesn't make much sense. Really, if you're well, you don't need the doctor. And if you're, if you're sick, how are you going to get well and then go to the doctor? It's the doctor who's going to give you the medicines or the whatever in order to get you well. So it doesn't make much sense for us to think, well, you know, I, I'm sick. I got pneumonia or whatever. I sure wish I'd hurry up and get well so I can go to the doctor and let him check me out. But you would be shocked at the amount of people that, that think I need to get myself right I've got to stop this and stop that. I've got to do all these things in order for me to come to Christ so he'll accept me when the reality is that he accepts sinners. And there's no way to make yourself right. That's why we need to come to Christ. Uh, and even in the life of believers, I see it over and over again, and you could probably relate to this, that even in the life of the believers, when you're battling with sin, when you're struggling with, with things that come in and out of your life as we, we walk through this world and this flesh, we have a tendency, even as believers, to fall into the trap of thinking, well, I've got to fix this before I can come back to Christ, before, before Christ can be pleased with me, before he can, he can uh, you know, before I need, can go back to the fellowship of the saints, before I can uh, come back into intimate fellowship with him, when the reality is the Father sees us through the gospel. He sees us through the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ, on your best day, the best that you've ever done, the Father saw you through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ if you've been born again. And on your worst day, when you, when you just blew it up and it was horrible and you so, felt so bad about failing in this or failing in that, once again, even on that day, the Father sees you through the gospel if you've been born again. And so the reality is that this, this call, this call to follow me, this call to come and be a disciple of Christ... It's, it's for sinners. It's for the lowest of sinners. Uh, Levi here is not just an ordinary, not just, well, I guess he is an ordinary sinner, but uh, in the eyes of all the people that would have been around, in the eyes of the nation, he would not have been just the ordinary sinner. Uh, he was a publican, a tax collector. Uh, what, what happened was, Rome, was, uh, Rome had taken over the, the, the countries and they, the empire taxed its citizens. And what they did was, was called, it was called tax farming. And what they would do is they would take people from that region and they would bid on the job to become a tax collector. And if, just to simplify the whole thing down for you, if, um, 
if I came along and I wanted to be this tax collector and, and the Roman government said, okay, you have to give us $10,000 every you know, three months. I'm just making up a figure so you can understand. You owe, the, we, your region owes us 10 grand every three months for taxes. Okay, so I would bid on that job, and I, when I got the job, I, all I had to do was provide 10 grand every three months to the Roman Empire, and anything I took over that, I got to keep. It was mine, you know, and so uh, I would stop somebody on the road, and if there was, there was a, a road tax, of course, in the Roman Empire because of the roads that they built, and if the road tax was 100 bucks, then I could charge you 120, and I'd send the 100 to Rome where it needed to go, and I'd take 20. And so there was also these, y'all are familiar with the pyramid scheme, there was also pyramid deals where one man controlled a bunch of different tax people and they would all charge their little, little hike on the rate and then the guy on the next level would charge his hike and then the guy at the top of the pyramid would charge his hike. So it wasn't really unheard of for people to be paying twice what they were supposed to pay. And if a tax collector stopped you on the road and said, you owe me $180, I'm just making up some figures so you kind of get the point, you owe me $180, even if you knew that really the tax was only $100, you had to pay what he said you had to pay. And if you didn't pay, he would show up with some Roman soldiers that he had, was given a kickback to, and they would make you pay at your house. And so really there was nothing. It was all about extortion. It was all about who can get rich. And these tax collectors made it big. They were rich. They, they got lots and lots of wealth from extorting the people. And so you can imagine what the people of Israel thought about these people, these Jewish men and that turned tax collector. They were hated. They were absolutely the lowest of the low. They were traitors to their nation. They, I mean, to, you, to, I, I fail to have the words to describe to you how hated these people were. They were more than just outcasts. They were more than just enemies. They had, uh, for all intents and purposes, in the eyes of the people, they had turned their backs on their own people, their own nation, and their God so they could have money, so they could get rich. I mean, that was the thing. That was the only reason really to be a tax collector was you get lots of money. You get, a, get to be rich and you were excommunicated from the synagogues and the temples and the people didn't want anything to do with you. And so you can imagine what it's like. They hated, they hated this guy. They hated tax collectors. They were the lowest of, they were the lowest of the low. You can see that in the sense where uh, Levi, once he does follow Christ, uh, he gets this uh, uh, a bunch of his tax collector friends together and throws a feast for Jesus. And the Pharisees come and when we read the passage and they said, how can you have dinner? How can you have a feast? How can you have a party with all these people in your house? It was like a house full of scumbags. Uh, you can imagine what, you can imagine what uh, was going through their minds. These people were absolutely Hated. They were, you know, I can understand. We saw in this same chapter, Jesus healed the leper, touched the leper. We saw in this same chapter that the man that was paralyzed was let down through the roof and, and Jesus forgave his sin and healed him. Jesus, I, I can see him uh, touching the hurting and the broken. I, I can see him coming to uh, the ones who, who just don't have hope and there's no one to take care of them and no one to care for them at all. I can see that, but this guy was not one of them. He was just wicked. I mean, wicked to the bone. People passing by would have looked and said, 
this guy is just evil. He's just evil. This guy wasn't broken. He wasn't hurting. He wasn't, from, from all appearances, he wasn't hurting. He wasn't outcast in the sense that, oh, he's, this disease has just come upon him. He had chosen his way. He'd chosen his fate. He chose money over his own people. He chose money over than fellowshipping in, in the temple with the religious rites of God. He chose his way, and now he's made his bed. He's got a lie in it. That's what you would have thought. And so this would be the last guy, the last guy that Jesus would ever call to follow him. He would have been the last guy that any rabbi or any teacher would ever even talk to, much less call and say, I want you to be my disciple. He was, he was absolutely wicked. But if you notice, when we read that passage, Jesus said, this is exactly why I'm here. I have not come to call the righteous. He said, I've come to call sinners to repentance. And so this, this call... Is for, it's for sinners. There's no sin that's too, that's too great that Christ's blood can atone for. There's no, there's no lifestyle that is too overwhelming and too wicked that Jesus cannot save you from. He loves you enough. Uh, we've said it many, many times. He loves you enough to meet you right where you are, but He loves you too much to let you stay right where you are. You are. He is the doctor that you go to when you are sick. He is the one that you come and you bring your sins to him and he will give you forgiveness. He will change your heart. The born again heart is the one that is uh, over and over again being molded and made by Christ. He is the one that is responsible for sanctifying you and growing you in holiness and all of those kind of things. When the Spirit indwells you, it's not, well, i got to just start doing better. You will start living more holy to God because God, who is holy, lives inside of you. And so this call to come and follow is a call for the wicked. It's a call for the sinner. It's not a call for good people. It's not a call, of course, we know there are no good people, but it's not a call for those who believe themselves to be righteous. Over and over again, really in the New Testament, the, the main enemies, the main opponents of Jesus' ministry, as, you see, as we see it, and even in Acts as the apostles' ministry, is the religious, the Pharisees, the scribes. That they were the opponents. I mean, they followed the Apostle Paul from town to town to town, causing riots and making disturbance just to get him to stop doing what he was doing. These are his, these are his main opponents, these religious, self-righteous, whatever. They could not come to Christ because they refused to see their need of a Savior. They had it all going on. We saw the picture of it last time when we talked about the Pharisees there as the paralytic was being let down through the roof. They already had their stuff going on. And so this call is not just for sinners, but it's only for sinners. It's for those who understand that they have to have salvation. It's for those that understand, I can't pull myself up by my bootstraps. I can't do better. I can't keep the law that God has set before me. There's nothing. I'm absolutely hopeless. You are in the perfect position to be called by Christ to come and to follow me, to come and to die, to be born again by the Spirit of God through repentance and faith. You are in the perfect position. If you're one who thinks, you know, I've just done too bad. 
I've done too many things. My life is really set the way it's, you know, there's no changing now. I, I've really chosen the path that I'm supposed to go down and, and I can't deviate from it now. There's really no hope left for me. You are in the perfect position for Christ to save you, for Christ to turn you and, and to cause you to keep his commandments, for you to become a follower of Christ. You are in the perfect position. And many times we think we look at other people as believers. We'll look at people in our own family or our neighbors and, and we'll say, you know, there's just no hope. Christ can't get to that person. Maybe the heart has gotten hard and, and you know, you've, you've tried to talk to someone and you've spread, given them the gospel and really they just spit it in your face and you, you, you over and over again, you try and you, it seems like you're failing. It doesn't seem like it's having any effect over and over again. And so we, we start to think, well, there's really no hope for this person. There's really no hope. They've gone too far when the reality is when the reality is that we cannot, we cannot sin ourselves, the uh, best way to put it, we can't, we can't sin ourselves away from the grace of God. Let me, that's probably not the best way to say it. Let's say it this way. There's no sin or no lifestyle of sin that disqualifies you and is more powerful than grace, more powerful than the blood of Christ that can atone for that sin. Jesus and his burial, his death, burial and resurrection is more powerful than any sin and can atone for that sin. It's more precious. It's more precious in the sight of God, inside of God the Father, and it's more precious than anything. And so it can atone for anything. I should say he can atone for anything. There's no one. There's no one that has sinned a sin that is so great. And we've preached a sermon not too long ago about the unforgivable sin. We talked about what that is, the unpardonable sin. So understand there is no act, no act, no life that disqualifies you from salvation. I can picture Levi here, tax collector, outcast, hated, traitor, sitting in his tax booth, probably, I don't know, hand on his chin, you know, he'd been sitting there who knows how long. These guys took the tax on fishermen, Peter and James and John. In this last section, we saw them. Tax on fishermen was about 20%. So everything that Peter, James, and John were catching out of the Sea of Galilee was taxed 20%. They took 20% off the top, so they would have known this guy. He would have been sitting there in his booth taxing people as they come back and forth on the road, hated, despised. He would have heard Jesus's teaching and preaching. You know, Jesus is out in the open air preaching and teaching, maybe even heard the, the sermon that he gave from the Sea of Galilee on the boat when he took Peter's boat and, and preached from it. He would have heard plenty, of, plenty of, the, of Christ's testimony, of Christ's sermons. And he sat there like so many people today, you know, it would be nice. It would be nice. But I've chosen, I've chosen my path and there's no way that this guy's even going to look at me. There's no way that this guy's going to talk to me. There's no way that I can, I can ever be one of his. There's no way I can come and be part of the kingdom of God. I have made my way in this life and I've, I've chosen and it, it's done. It's all over with. And just as he's sitting there with his hand, I, I just picture him for some reason with his chin in his hand, Jesus walks by and he's looking at him and he thinks, this guy's not even going to look at me. And Jesus turns and looks at him and says, probably the shortest sermon ever preached, two words, follow me. This call to follow him is for the most wicked of sinners. Jesus 
offers rest, but he doesn't offer it to the religious self-righteous. He offers it to those who are weary and heavy laden, burdened down. He says, I'll, I'll give you rest and you'll find rest for your soul. So it's a call for sinners. Don't use the excuse. A lot of times we, 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 we think this way, but really it's just an excuse to say, I'm too bad, I've done too much, I can't follow Christ. A lot of times that's just an excuse because we don't want to follow Christ. Or don't fall into the pattern of using the excuse that, you know, well, Joe down the road, he's just too bad. There's no way Christ is going to... That's an excuse, so I don't have to, I don't have to minister to Joe. I don't, have to, uh, I don't have to evangelize him. I don't have to give him the gospel. Those are excuses that we use, and those excuses, they don't hold water. There is no one who has gone so far that they have done something terrible, so terrible that the blood of Christ won't atone for that sin. There's no one. And so those excuses don't hold water. The second thing I want to show you is that this is it's a call for sinners, but it's also a call to follow Jesus. It's a call to follow. It's a call to leave this life for a new life. It's not just... Uh, you know, accept this belief system or pray this prayer after me and learn the secret handshake and you're in. It's trusting in the Savior, trusting in this Jesus who died for our sin and was raised from the dead. It is following Him, becoming His servant. In Romans chapter 10, it says, whoever confesses that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father will be saved. Whoever believes in his heart, confesses with his mouth, will be saved. Well, when you confess somebody Lord in the first century, guess what? You became their servant. You became, they really are your Lord. And so you are a follower now. You are a disciple. And so he, this guy, Levi, he's wealthy. He's, he is, you know, you can see that in the passage. When, when he is uh, converted, the first thing he does is throw this big feast. He's got money to throw a feast. He's got a house that he lives in where all these people come. This is a wealthy guy. This is one, you know, that was the reason you became a tax man was so that you could get rich. And so he was a wealthy guy. So this call was not just a call to, hey, Levi, come on and follow me. This was a call to, to come away from the love of money, the love of self, the love of the world, because that's really the only reason you become a tax collector is because you want money. You want to get rich because you sure don't, don't do it for the friends. You sure don't do it for the popularity or the status because you were down here. You were just under a leper as far as the outcast status of who you were. So he was calling him away from this love of the world, this love of self. He was calling him away. And the amazing thing to me is that he, he leaves. I mean, not only does he leave, but it almost looks like, it looks like there's no hesitation whatsoever. Uh, if you look in the passage, it says, uh, verse 28, when he called him, he said, follow me. Verse 28 says, and he left all, rose up and followed him. It's almost like he, he, he just dropped it. He dropped it, no hesitation whatsoever. He left it all. And this was a big deal. I mean, if you think about it, the fishermen that we saw before that followed him, Peter, James, and John, you know, to be honest, if it don't work out, they can always go back to fishing. We'll see in the New Testament here that they do go back to fishing a couple of times. They can always go back to being a fisherman. 
Levi can't ever go back to being a tax collector. He can't ever go back to being a publican. He can't ever go back to working and making the money that he's making because he just dropped it and left. You think Rome's going to hire him again? You think the guy he works for is going to hire him again when really he just left the booth on the side of the road? You're, if you're a businessman, do you hire people like that? They just show up one day and say, hey, you know what? Um, I've been thinking about it and I'm not ever coming back anymore. See you. Bye. There's no way he could go back. He was, called, he was called away. He was called away from this life to follow Christ. And this call to leave it, just leave it, it looks different for all of us. It looks different for each disciple. Uh, these, the, you know, he, it says he left all. He left all, rose up and followed him. But he didn't sell all his stuff. He didn't give away his house. He still had it that day. He threw a, a feast for Jesus. So I'm not saying, oh, you got to sell all your possessions and, and move out of your house if you want to follow Christ. No, what I'm saying is your whole life is going to be used to follow Christ. He used his wealth to throw this feast for Jesus. He used his house to come and be on mission for Christ. He used everything at his disposal, everything that God had given him, uh, blessed him with, even the free fruits of his previous life to follow Jesus. It, the picture I have in my mind, let me put it this way where you can understand it, is picture yourself sitting in a booth. You're sitting in a booth and in the booth is your whole life. You've got your family over here, you know, in this section with, you know, you got it lined out and you got your job and you got your hobbies, and you got your plans, and you got your dreams and your purposes, and you just got, you got, you're sitting in your little booth, and you've got all your life out around you, and you've set it up just how you want it. You know, you got these over here, and it makes me think of a sock drawer or something like that. You've got everything arranged just how you want it in your life. This is your booth. This is my stuff. I got it all fixed up just the way I want it. There's some things I need to work on over here. I need to do a little better over here. But really, I've got everything arranged just like I want it in my booth. And then along comes Jesus and says, I want you to leave all of this, and I want you to follow me. Are you kidding I mean, I just got all this set the way I like it. And now you want me to drop it and leave it and just follow you? I mean, do you know how much work it took to get all this organized just the way that I have it? Do you know how much, how much pain and how much I had to go through to get my, to get my family like this and my job like this and my, my plans and purposes and all these things working the way that I think they should be working and doing what, you know, what I want them to do in my life? Do you know how much time it took to get all of this organized like this? And you're telling me, you're telling me just to leave it. I just really got all of it straight. You know, most of us, and be honest, most of us would say, well, can I just follow you and come back to it? I mean, can I leave it for a little while and just come back to it? You know, I, I, I want to follow you, but I don't want to give up my booth, man. I don't want to give up the way that I've got everything set. I mean, if I follow you, that, that's going to mess up my that's going to mess up these plans that I have, these, these dreams, these hopes. If I, if I follow you, that's going to mess up these hobbies that I have. You know, I'm not going to have time for that anymore. If I follow you, it's going to mess up the way I interact with family and, and job and, and all of those kind of things. You're, you're telling me to give up too much. All of that would have been going through my mind. All of that would have been going through your mind. It's, it's amazing to me. It looks like Levi just dropped the mic. I mean, he said, follow me. He said, okay. And he left it all, 
and he followed, he, he followed Christ. He, he demonstrates what it is to follow. From now on, I'm turning from this life. Turning from this life. My goals now in life are your goals. Basically what he was saying. My, my plans in this life are now your plan. My purpose is now your purpose. My mission is now your mission. My life now belongs to you. Paul said it best in Galatians chapter 2. I have been crucified with Christ. He says, and I no longer live. But Christ lives through me. Y'all with me? All right, I ain't putting you to sleep, Emma. All right. So it's a call for sinners. You've not gone too far. You're breathing and the Holy Spirit's convicting you, drawing you. I don't care what lifestyle or what sin you're guilty of. Christ can save you. Christ will save you. Christ calls you to follow Him. The second thing is He actually does call you to follow Him. It's not just, it's not just accept this idea. It's to come into relationship with this person. Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, God and man. Follow Him. And the third thing is it's a call to service, really. I mean, you see, the first thing, the first thing that Levi does is use all of his resources. I mean, he had gained a lot of wealth from being a tax collector, being hated. The first thing that he does is he uses all his resources to push the mission of Christ. What does he do? He made a great feast in his own house. And there was a great company of publicans. Who did he invite to the feast? All his tax collector buddies. You can imagine, these, these were probably the only friends that these guys had. And so they all came to Levi's house and of others that sat down with him. Why did he throw a feast for them? Why did he have them in their house? So they too could meet this Jesus. So they, these are the people who need Christ. These are the people who need to see the salvation that Levi had experienced. And so the very first thing that he did when Jesus said, you come and you follow me, was Levi took his resources, he took his friends, he took his house, and he threw a feast in order that these people can meet this Christ, Jesus' mission to seek and to save that which is lost became Levi's mission. Jesus' purpose became Levi's purpose and all of his resources were used so he could accomplish that mission. That mission is the same today as it was then. Jesus is still seeking and saving the lost. Jesus has still given his church the commission to go forth and make disciples. That mission today that Levi became a part of and that Jesus commands is your mission today if you're a believer in Christ. It's your mission to introduce non-believers to the kingdom of God. It's your mission to seek and to save that which is lost. It's your mission to bring the gospel to bear on the lives of people. That's your mission. That's what all of your resources are supposed to be uh, turned toward. That's what all of your life is supposed to be turned toward. So really, just for a moment, you can examine. It's real easy to do. 
examine what is the purpose that your resources are serving. I'm not just talking about your money or your whatever. I'm talking about everything. I'm talking about your life. I'm talking about your time. I'm talking about your talents. I'm talking about everything. What purpose do your resources serve? And that's it's not open to interpretation, really. I'm talking about if you lined it out on a piece of paper and you said, this is what I have, all of my inventory of my gifts and my talents and my time and the things that I can do and the things that I've been blessed with, all of that inventory. And you can ask yourself one by one, does this serve Christ? Does this serve Christ? Does this serve Christ? Over and over again, ask yourself, do my resources Everything that He has given me, serve Him. Serve the plans and purposes of Jesus or do they serve my own plans and purposes? Do they serve my own self? Do they serve my own needs? Do they serve to, to fill up my life or do they serve Christ and His mission? I'm not saying that you can't ever have fun or go on vacation or anything like that. I'm not talking about that. Levi still had a house. He still threw a party. He still, he didn't give away all his stuff. But his life, his whole life was focused on the mission of Christ. I can prove that too. If you look and see as we, you know, we'll walk through it uh, eventually, but you'll see Matthew, who is Levi. His whole life became about Jesus. He became a, an apostle of Jesus going and preaching. I mean, his whole life changed on this day, on this road, in the middle of this tax booth, when Jesus said, follow me, his life changed and it was never the same again. So last thing, it's a call to sinners. It's a call to follow. It's not just a call to accept the belief system. It's a call to follow Jesus and it's a call to serve him, to your life serves him. And all of this can be summed up in really a single word. And that word is repentance. All of this describes a call to repentance. In the last part of that section, in verse uh, 31, it says, Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. He says, I came not to call the righteous, he says, but sinners to repentance. That's what he is calling them to, repentance. To turn from your sin, to turn from your Good works. A lot of times we see, you know, we understand the idea of repentance from sin. And that's absolutely necessary. Without repentance from sin, there is no salvation. But the Bible also teaches us in Hebrews that we are to repent from our dead works. We are to repent from thinking that I can make myself righteous by my own actions. I can do good enough for God to accept me. I can, if I can just fix all this stuff, then I can get my life right. Uh, you know, God will, God will accept me when the reality is we must repent. That's self-righteousness and we must repent from that just like we repent from every other Every other sin, he said, I didn't come to call the righteous. Who he means here is the self-righteous, the Pharisees and scribes. I didn't call, come to call the people who think they got it all going on and that they're doing good enough to, uh, to please God and really don't need anything. You know, it'd be nice if I had, you know, a, a little help, but really I got all of this going on. I didn't come to call them. He says, I came to call sinners. I came to call sinners to repentance. The reality is we, as we close is, there, there's really no excuses that work. You'll stand before him without an excuse. 
And there's no excuses that, that we can use. You know, uh, I'm just too bad. I mean, I understand what you're saying. And, you know, I, I need to follow Christ. And I, I wish I could do more. But, but I, I've really chosen my lot in life. And I've done too many awful things. There's no way that I can, uh, there's no way that Jesus would want me to follow him. There's no way that I could become his disciple in the same sense that Matthew was uh, with pushing our, our whole life to serving him and to following him and being a minister for him. There's no way that I can do it. I've done too bad. That's, that's just an excuse. And for you believers who say, you know what, there's so-and-so that I've been thinking about, but I've already tried and I've already talked to them and they've just gone too far and they've, they won't listen and they've gone. That's just an excuse. That's just an excuse for us not to have to deal with it. That's an excuse for us to be, be safe and comfortable and not have to stretch ourselves out and, and preach the gospel and evangelize and witness to folks. It's just an excuse. If God can save the leper... If God can heal the leper and forgive him of his sins, the paralytic man, forgive him of his sins. If God can take who they, who they thought was the most absolute wickedest, wicked, is that a word, wickedest? Most wicked man in the world that they would have known, he can save you. He can save the people around you. It would be like, I mean, I, I don't know a good example. It would be like, it would be like, Charles Manson or somebody, you know, Adolf Hitler or somebody. This guy would have been the most hated, despised man imaginable. And Jesus walks past and says, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you and make you one of my disciples. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to change you from the inside out. And I'm going to cause you to keep my commandments. The same thing that God says to us in Ezekiel chapter 36. And so you are in your booth and I'm in mine. You're in your booth and your whole life is stretched out before you. It's all in front of you. You got it organized just the way you want. And Jesus is walking past today and he is saying, follow me. And the question is, like we started, when Jesus calls a man, he bids him to come and die. To deny himself, to take up his cross and to follow him. So the answer to that question today is going to be your response. He's called, I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what sins are, are on your account or life you've lived or what it, whatever. I mean, you could have been a serial killer. I mean, you just stretch it out there as horrible as you can make it. Christ can save you. Christ can change you and make you a disciple. He can, he can atone for all of the sin that you've done and all that you'll ever do before the Father. And he comes and he preaches to you the same short little sermon that he preached to Matthew, Levi. He says, follow me. Levi got up from his booth and he followed. What are you going to do? Your whole life's laid out just the way you want it. Everything's in its place. You got it just looking exactly like you want it. And Jesus calls you and says, I'll take that. You'll either get up and follow him by repenting and trusting in Christ. Or you could very well say like the rich man that came to Jesus later on in Luke. And he says, what do I, what do I need to do to have eternal life? Jesus knew what his particular bent was. He was an idolater and he said, all you got to do is give everything up. 
because he knew that's where that man's God lied, lies. And the man said to Jesus, the rich young ruler said, I can't do that. And he walked away. And you don't read anywhere where Jesus followed after him and said, Hey, wait, 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 wait. Okay, man, let's make a deal. As far as we know, as far as the text says, they never ran into each other again. You have a choice today. Jesus calls you to follow. He calls you to actually follow a person. And the call goes to, it goes to center. It's called to follow, and it's a call for you to serve, serve Christ. Today, He's calling. That song says, softly and tenderly, He come and He said to Levi, follow me. And Levi left all and followed him. What's your answer? Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. Thank you for all that you've given us. God, we just ask that you would use this word to... Uh,